Hello, hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode of So I Married a Scientist. Today we're doing something a little different. We're bringing you the first in our series about scientists who are underrepresented and underappreciated in history. Yeah, so part of the reason why we're doing this is because everyone seems to know the big names in science, the Newtons, the Galileos, Darwin, Einstein, uh, but there are so many other scientists out there that don't really get the recognition that they deserve, and they're either misrepresented in how they're spoken about or you know, they're just underappreciated. So we wanted to highlight a, a few of those key scientists. The first person we want to talk about in this series is George Washington Carver. Yeah, and I think the reason why we wanted to select George Washington Carver is I think he's one of the most misrepresented scientists in terms of how he's portrayed in schools. At least when I was learning about George Washington Carver, I was told that he was the inventor of peanut butter. Me too. Yeah, and not only is that not true, I think it really trivializes the actual contributions that he had to science and the Southern economy following the Civil War. So in his early life, we don't know exactly when he was born, but he was probably born the year before slavery was abolished, right at the end of the Civil War. He was born in Missouri, and he continued to live with the Carver family after emancipation. And there he was taught to read and write, and he received some kind of an education. If you have time to go read about his early life, there are a lot of fascinating details about his family and everything, but we're not going to go into that here because we're focusing specifically on the science. So he loved plants and nature from an early age. And in high school, he moved to Kansas to work as a farmhand as he attended school. But apparently he was very interested in art and ended up going to college for art and wanted to become an art teacher. But the job options were incredibly limited at the time. So he was encouraged by mentors to pursue botany. Yeah, so one of his teachers saw that he had this really big affinity for plants and plant biology and drawing plants. So the teacher encouraged him to enroll or apply to a botany program at the Iowa State Agricultural Institute, which is now Iowa State University. And there he started learning about soil chemistry and plant health. So he did a master's on fungal infections that impacted soybean crops. And it's there that he really started to become this expert on agricultural health and wellness. So right after he finished his master's, he got a professorship at the Tuskegee Institute. And there he started really focusing on how he could help the southern economy rebound from a couple of issues that they were having with cotton plants. Yeah, so if we can put the larger context into focus, a lot of people in history talk about the Civil War and this, depending on where you live, I guess if you're in the North, it's a triumph of ending slavery. If you're in the South, it's more, and this is something we've learned after coming to Tennessee, there is a memory of just total economic devastation after the war ended. And this sent huge ripple effects across the entire Southern economy. And the people who are arguably most hit were freed slaves, most of whom were turned into sharecroppers. But the soil in the South had been hugely depleted by cotton, which Corey, can you say more about what that means? Yeah, so cotton is just a very harsh plant on the soil environment. It takes up a lot of nitrogen in order to grow, and it will pretty quickly deplete the soil of all nitrogen stores. So as you grow cotton for 
several seasons in a row, your yield starts getting lower and lower. So George Washington Carver grew up in this period of reconstruction where thousands, if not millions, of freed slaves were farming, but also starving in a lot of senses. So there was a huge economic and social need that he was working into to try to help people who who needed help with agriculture and who were facing really tough conditions. Right. So in addition to the issue with nitrogen fixation in the soil and how to actually grow cotton, it was around this time that the boll weevil was introduced to the southeast as well. Uh, and the boll weevil is a insect pest that preferentially targets cotton plants. So even in fields that were pretty well set up for cotton growth, these boll weevils would come through and just devastate the crop. So they were really in need of a new crop that they could grow and build the economy around it. So that's what George Washington Carver dedicated a lot of his studies to when he was at Tuskegee Institute. So obviously the abolishment of slavery was an incredible social feat, but to rebuild the economy in a way that everyone could participate was something that needed a lot of science behind it. And George Washington Carver was incredibly significant in that whole process of rebuilding. So he also invented something called the Jessup wagon. Can you tell us about that, Corey? Yeah. So this was actually a really cool thing for the time. So Because he had this interest in soil chemistry and returning good soil to the fields so they could then grow good yielding crops, he invented this kind of mobile soil testing lab that was the Jessup wagon. And he would take it from field to field and actually survey what the soil composition was. And then he would make recommendations as to what to grow. So because he had previously studied soybeans and after joining the Tuskegee Institute, he became really interested in legumes that would return nitrogen to the soil. So these are all nitrogen fixation plants that work with bacteria that actually puts nitrogen back into the soil. And he would recommend things like peanuts and soybeans and sweet potatoes to be grown in the fields. And that had a really good impact. The problem was there wasn't a market for peanuts, soybeans, and sweet potatoes in the time. So a lot of the crops that they were growing were just going to waste. So they were replenishing the soil with the crops, which is incredible. I which mean, was very good. So he was working with peanuts in some capacity, but he did not just invent this random condiment that we have, keep in our shelves. He's actually like helping people eat and, and put food on the table and saving lives, essentially. Yeah. He was well, a hero. Yeah, so it wasn't just the soil fixation portion of it, though that was very important. He definitely helped with yields because then you could, you know, after a few years of growing the legumes, you could go back to growing cotton and get better yields. So that was his contribution to the crop rotation portion, which actually was a very ancient discovery. So people had been doing crop rotation type farming for several thousands of years. He just put the chemistry behind it uh, so that he could use this Jessup wagon to actually test the soil and more accurately recommend what crops uh, to to grow. That's cool. Now, at the same time, at the Tuskegee Institute, he was very interested in making a market for all of these crops that he was now recommending to grow. So he couldn't really influence farmers to grow these crops unless there was a use for them. Yeah, convincing farmers to grow a crop they're unfamiliar with is probably a pretty hard sell unless you can say, we can definitely help you feed your family with it. Right, so through his research, he came up with over 300 different products that could be made from peanuts and a couple hundred others that could be made from sweet potatoes and soybeans. And these included things like fuels 
and medicines and plastics. And it's interesting because he actually collaborated with Henry Ford of the Ford Motor Company to create a car that was made out of plastics derived from soybeans and ran its engine using a fuel derived from soybeans. What is it, like a hundred years early? We don't even have that now, do we? Well, we have corn ethanol in our gas, yeah, which is a supplement. But yeah, this was... Very early on. Wow. Henry Ford was actually one of the early adopters of alternative fuels. Wow. So it was just interesting that that collaboration came about. And that's amazing, too, because I think a lot of people think environmentalism and trying to find things like fuels that are good for the earth is like a new idea. If Henry Ford was doing it in like the 20s. Well, yeah, it was really derived from the world wars and the scarcity of fuel. Yeah. So... Things like plastics and fuel and rubbers were things that were very difficult to find in wartimes. So they were trying to develop other ways of making them. And that was part of what George Washington Carver did with his research. I mean, in light of this, don't you think it's almost insulting to say he just invented peanut butter? I'm so mad about that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like of all the things that you could possibly say, like that just, it seems so minor compared to all of the, the good he did for society. He was also really well networked. He spoke about the value of peanuts in front of Congress and advised President Teddy Roosevelt about agricultural things. He was a pen pal with Gandhi in India and advised him on his vegetarian diet and things that he could do between his fasts to be more healthy. He was approached by Kellogg of the cereal fame to talk about food and nutrition and, and health through that as well. So he really was this prominent figure in turning around the, the Southern economy and putting so much emphasis on food and nutrition and health in ways that weren't previously thought about. That's absolutely incredible. So we celebrate George Washington Carver for all of his, not just amazing accomplishments, but the way that he was able to put science to use to actually solve incredible social problems. Absolutely. Yeah. We want everybody to know that he did more than just invent peanut butter, even though he didn't actually invent peanut butter. <laughs> Tell your friends. Get the word out. So this has been our first episode in Underrepresented Sciences in History. If you have an idea for someone we should talk about and someone's story we should tell on this series, then please get in touch with us. You can email us at soimarriedascientist at gmail.com. You can go to our website, soimarriedascientist.com, and see all the ways to get in touch with us there. And uh, we hope to hear from you. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. Music by Lemonfest. Logo and marketing by Cambridge Creative Group. Edited and produced by Corey and Mel. See you next time. <laughs>